the level at, at which we don't know about nutrition might be, you know, baffling to some people mm-hmm. because like we've been eating for a long time though. Eating, yeah. <laughs> because we we have a lot of gaps in our knowledge mm-hmm. of what food does for uh, diseases that have to do with the gastrointestinal tract. People just think that because somebody still is in a larger body, it means they haven't attempted anything. But a lot of the people who have extreme weight, they have been overweight since they were children. Mm-hmm. And they have been on some sort of intervention all their life. Until very recently, I mean, I feel only now conversations about body weight started to include mental health and um, a lot more uh, conversations about overall health and not having the goal of losing weight, but having the goal of improving your health. Mm-hmm. And people think they are one and the same, but they are not. Hi there, this is part two of our conversation on body shaming. In this episode, we're going to talk about some misconceptions around weight loss, what it means to be healthy, and how difficult actual research into nutritional science can be. And uh, beyond this idea of, you know, social issues and whatever, I actually have um, some medical um, remarks, let's say, (laughs) that really piss me off. You always do. The fact that a lot of people talk about weight, stretch marks, cellulitis, Mm -hmm. as if they know what the fuck they're talking about. So let's have some definitions then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, science for the people. Stretch marks happen where where for some reason the collagen in your skin breaks and you are left with uh, these whitish lines. There, There are some cases where you have pinkish lines and those happen in actually some pathological cases. They are within a certain disease. But these sort of lines that we all know as stretch marks that are whitish, they do not represent a health concern and you cannot change them. Mm -hmm. You you can go to the gym however much you want. You won't, uh, you know, uh, come home without stretch marks. Mm -hmm. Cellulitis, it is a medical term for an infection of the skin. Mm, okay. Okay, so it has absolutely nothing, nothing to do with how it is used in the, you know, beauty magazines and by the people. The fact that after you age, especially in women because we have a different body composition and a different way of the way the fat is distributed throughout, you know. And also our hormones and everything are different. We have this uh, fat that sometimes looks uh, like uh, our skin is less uh, smooth and uh, at least in uh, Romania, but I think in other countries uh, there is this um, way of referring to it as um, orange peel skin, Mm -hmm. you know. And that is also something that pisses me off because that is also so uh, it's also taken from a medical term, and uh, that is a term for a breast with a tumor. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, the the skin. The more you know. Yes, the 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 skin on the breast when you have a tumor underneath and it is quite large and it basically touches the skin. The skin starts to look like orange peel. Oh. Okay. So it's like the tumor poking up. Pretty much, yes. Oh my god. Yeah, it bothers me terribly when I see. Yeah, I can see why now. <laughs> yes. It's not just you being. Uh, 
pedant. It's actually because yes, it conjures I mean, up a certain image. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It, it, exactly. It, it, it conjures up real health issues that are just taken terms out of actually, you know, medical books and being trivialized for, you know, selling more Vaseline. But I, I think <laughs> this whole bringing the medical aspect into it is also relevant because I know that you told me about sort of like the, the backlash to, to this this guy Buchnitsch's mm-hmm. uh, statement and then he's tr- trying to sort of backpedal yes. or give explanations and one of the arguments was like, oh, I'm just concerned about your health yes. honey argument, yes. which obviously is trying to bring the medical thing. It, it happened it. really like this summer also. Uh, Bill Maher stepped in it again with the same fucking argument. Also Jordan Peterson with the model on the Sports Illustrated cover. Yes, yes. Yeah, he also was like, well, but it's actually, I said she's not beautiful because she is not healthy. And Yeah, also, he, he didn't say that she's not beautiful. He said that he does not feel attracted to it and nobody can make him feel she's beautiful. And I'm like, why the fuck? Sorry, not beautiful. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> and, if, and, and, and you know, most people are like, why the fuck do you think you have to? You can just look at the cover magazine and go like, yeah, it's fine. I'm also befuddled by the fact that some people feel like you can literally throw up at seeing someone. But why they feel like, I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. it's not just that I don't find you attractive. I actually find you repulsive and I want everyone to know. Like, It's not just that I, I find you unattractive, it's that I am annoyed at the lack of effort on your part to improve as to me to want to actually find you at least somewhat fuckable. And also annoyed at the idea <laughs> that some people might walk up to me and say, well, actually, I would bank her. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's like, I mean, again, we keep uh, joking about how we are the standard of everything that's good and beautiful and great. Mm-hmm. Like our opinion is that, that, that the golden standard. Obviously. 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 That's... We are waiting for the universe to catch yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. But the fact that some people without any self-awareness do that, as yeah. in that's how they behave, like that's the case, is just... And Bill Maher recently, you know, went on a tirade i mean he he, he said that's this several times on his show. He, he, he is a, like a veteran fat shamer. Yes, that we need to, to do more to, to shame people, to, to, to shame fat people. And uh, he went after a doctor that I'm not exactly sure what he said on his social media, but he went after this doctor uh, going like, yeah, you should, shouldn't encourage people to be fat because somehow if you don't shame somebody, it means you're encouraging them uh, to be fat. And if you treat somebody with respect, they will just take that to mean that they can like live their life and then where will it be? Uh, so by that logic, if someone has dyslexia, you should just be like, shame them, shame them continuously. Yes, yes, oh, yes. dog no, save no, the queen, dog save the queen. You don't understand because a lot of people think that obesity is a choice. So you didn't choose to be dyslexic, but you chose to be obese and you could stop choosing it. So that's how it goes. Anyway, and, uh, and uh, Bill Maher uh, went, you know, and specifically named this doctor on his show. And I just discovered their podcast actually today. Uh, and it's called Doctors Who Live. Okay. <laughs> the buff doctors. <laughs> the buff doctors, yes. The doctor that Bill Maher went after is a doctor who treats obese people mm-hmm. to, you know, make them less obese. <laughs> And the, not trying hard enough, according and to yes, Bill. And, and the dude was like, just because I disagree with your wording and I disagree with your approach, because 
as somebody who actually does this as a job. Mm -hmm. I know for sure this approach doesn't work and it even backfire, you know. Mm -hmm. It is more likely for somebody who is shamed to not go to the doctor, to not seek help, to not go to the gym, to not get out of the house, to, you know. Uh, So basically you are more likely to make people more obese with your approach. What he does, actually, he is a person who recommends... Well, starting from lifestyle changes to medication and to actually surgery. So between him and Bill Maher, he's actually a person who does something for people to be less obese. And Bill Maher chose to somehow name and shame him and not even like get him on his show and ask him, you know, whatever. And the guys were quite funny because they were like, Bill Maher, you know, get the dude on the show and we will just show up there and, you know, look really menacing and (laughs) his bodyguard. <laughs> anyway, I, I have this this also problem from the medical standpoint, because by God, after decades and decades of fucking diets, we know that losing weight is difficult. And one of the things that this, this doctor said that Bill Maher uh, mm-hmm. mocked was that this doctor said that we don't know all of the reasons for obesity. And Bill Maher was, ha ha ha, it's obviously people eat too much. We, we've solved it, you know. <laughs> the end like it's common sense people it's common yes. sense and like this obviously this doctor is trying to somehow preach being obese by saying that we don't know all the causes because ha 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 it's obviously we don't need science when we have common sense in yes. Bill Maher and you know the guy and not just him a lot of doctors that work in the obesity field and that actually do really really boring shit like clinical trials with actual humans in you know correct settings, Mm -hmm. try to actually learn something and not just presuppose ideas or just find a mechanism somewhere and just, you know, go wild with it uh, and write a book about a diet because it didn't used to be that, but nowadays a lot of the people that peddle a lot of bad ideas about diet tend to also be actually medical professionals. Mm And some of them just fall in love with a mechanism and they will bang you over the head with like, we found this mechanism, but okay, but did you actually research this in humans Mm -hmm. and real life and, you know. Not lobsters. (laughs) Not lobsters. Lobsters are not enough. It's really, really, really hard to do nutritional trials and to do them well. You have to have nutritional trials in controlled environments, Mm -hmm. but those you can do them for a short period of time, but be really strict about things and also it's important to corroborate those facts with the ones from uh, trials with you know people let's say people in the wild <laughs> how how old is in terms of hi- its history nutritional science is it like a relatively new science i would say as a science is relatively new mm-hmm. as opinions about food i mean hey yeah, we, have, sure. we, we have we have kellogg <laughs> yeah because <laughs> I, I was thinking about you know the fact that sometimes when something uh, as a field of science is kind of new mm-hmm. obviously you have as you said the people who are enamored with uh, yes system or an idea and they try to fit everything into into that and i was just like thinking about how when people first started studying more rigorously let's Mm -hmm. say the mental landscape of people like uh mental illnesses and mental health uh you had like you know freud was like well i guess it's the mom who fucked up or the dad right because because these things were were sort of intuitive to understand and then uh as 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 people accumulated uh 
knowledge and as you said you start actually doing experiments mm-hmm. and trying to to verify your intuitions so to, so to speak uh, the, the the picture gets more complex yes. but people still remember the catchphrases and, yes. I, and it seems like this is that moment for nutrition what what i'm trying to say is that the level at, at which we don't know about nutrition might be you know baffling to some people mm-hmm. because like we've been eating for a long time though eating, yeah <laughs> because we we have a lot of gaps in our knowledge mm-hmm. of w- what food does for uh, diseases that have to do with the gastrointestinal tract mm-hmm. that seem kind of like pretty much the ones that you study first and that somehow would make more sense and would be easier to discuss and find that stuff out than let's mm-hmm. say how food influences your heart or your liver or your brain or whatever but even in that area there is still a lot we don't know mm-hmm. and one of the let's say word of the year or whatever the past few years that if you want to sound like you're really saying something you say microbiome what <laughs> <laughs> microbiome are the bacteria in our gut okay and they are a lot and what we know is that we tested at a certain point for some people what bacteria are in their poop or we looked what bacteria were in the guts of dead people because it's a bit harder to just cut up live people Uh, <laughs> at the moment, we're at the working moment. on it. <laughs> yeah. And okay, so we found some bacterias. We know some families of bacterias that live there. We are on agreement uh, about the fact that they are really important and the fact that how how we modify them and they, they, the fact that they are being modified but by what we eat and the fact that their modification has an impact on our health and body, but not exactly which bacteria would do what and and the amount of that bacteria because from your childhood to whatever moment the bacteria in your gut changes a lot mm-hmm. and we don't have for the moment the ways to monitor in a way that it becomes clear to us that well if you have this sort of fluctuation this might lead to that disease mm-hmm. we have some mechanisms which I'm not trying to vilify mechanisms. <laughs> They are very important. But people just go from mechanism to like, ta-da, we've solved it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And somehow people have this um, obsession with things being the same in the human body. And this is how you get to today's obsession with people monitoring their glucose without being diabetic. Let's just monitor my glucose and be absolutely frightened by the fact that my glucose level is modified throughout the day while I eat. Is this a new hobby that I yes. can take up as a 30-something-year-old? Yes. yes. I didn't yes. know that. Yes, it is. It is. It is. And, like, it's a good thing to monitor things in order for us to see if we can learn something or, you know, but don't do it outside of a research facility because in a research setting, you monitor in the hopes that at some point, some sort of patterns will tell you something. Mm-hmm. But as an individual person at home, you will learn shit. Yeah. You will just be obsessing over things for no reason and basically pathologizing your everyday fucking life for no reason. <laughs> so, okay, so going back to obesity, it is true when people say that we don't know all the reasons people are obese because mm-hmm. we can see that the same food might have different impact or the same kind of lifestyle, different kind of impact yeah. on different people. And also we see things talking about the glucose monitoring that on the same person, the same foods don't result in the same glucose response. Mm-hmm. 
So there are a lot of things we don't know. Yeah. And when you see this this sort of... But Bill knows, though. Yeah, this, <laughs> this incredible, you know, uh, assumption about yourself that you're so fucking bright and you've said it. Ha <laughs> ha we know, it's food. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> I mean, then why the fuck is it so hard to... And this doctor said the very basic thing is that obesity is a result of one's genetic and epigenetic uh, structure as it interacts with the changes in environment. Mm -hmm. And it sounds really simple and it's so fucking complicated because, you know, (laughs) uh, clearly our genetics make all of what we are. The way we interact with the environment can modify things and hence you have epigenetics and that keeps interacting with the environment and can keep changing. So it's really complicated. This is one other thing that bothers me, you know, that people just think that because somebody still is in a larger body, it means they haven't attempted anything. But a lot of the people who have extreme weight, they have been overweight since they were children Mm -hmm. and they have been on some sort of intervention all their life. Until very recently, I mean, I feel only now conversations about body weight started to include mental health and um, a lot more... uh, conversations about overall health and not having the goal of losing weight, but having the goal of improving your health. Mm -hmm. And people think they are one and the same, but they are not. We all know losing weight is difficult. We all know it is most, most likely not achievable. And even if some percentage of weight loss will be achievable, it would not be uh, the percentage that some people who think about this should find satisfying. But we know that changing uh, habits, Mm -hmm. eating habits, working habits, sleeping habits, uh, improves health beyond your weight, Mm -hmm. you know? So only now uh, the approach is a lot more towards habit forming and less on weight. So the success of that sort of process is not measured by how many kilograms kilograms you uh, you, you lost. But like how your health outcomes change overall. So like everything from like, I'm assuming blood pressure to hormone levels. Glucose, uh, lipid, uh, you know, whatever. So sure, those things can be even more improved by losing weight, but you can also have health outcomes without necessarily uh, achieving weight loss. Mm -hmm. But only recently the conversation started to be like this for uh, many decades were all sorts of stupid fucking diets. And these people that are overweight might have been for 20, 30 years, basically jumping from eating disorder to eating disorder. And if you would tell what is considered a normal size body, you know, a BMI, a normal BMI, uh, a normal BMI person, if they would tell you that they eat like the way fat people were told to eat, you would tell them to stop because that is disorder eating. But if a fat person eats like that, it's like what they have to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think that uh, with regards to how losing weight or having a certain weight is not necessarily correlate with how healthy you are, I think it's also very important to remember uh, two things. One of them is uh, all the people who get into, seriously get into, I'm, I'm not saying specifically bodybuilding, Mm-hmm. but like who are really concerned about their looks and things mm-hmm. like that and maybe start taking 
all sorts of enhancements. Mm -hmm. And then there are also like professional athletes who, mm -hmm. I'm sorry to, you know, burst the bubble of anyone who yeah. doesn't already know, they are all juiced up in one yes. way or another. Yes. And these are people that generally as the public tend to regard as the pinnacle of health. Yes. But many of them have problems not just physically, like hormonal imbalances mm -hmm. or things like that, but also in terms of mental health, in the way they, uh, many people have body dysmorphia. Yes, yes. And uh, the, the, the number of athletes who just, you know, they're at the top of their games and then something we don't know because mm -hmm. we're... Yeah, we don't oh. get the details. Yeah, they just fall off. And mm -hmm. again, people tend to be super harsh, like, oh, they were not ambitious enough and things yeah. like that. But like, no, it's mostly people are having serious issues, yeah. issues and things like that and not getting enough support because they're just pushed not for their health, but for their performance and the money that brings yes. <laughs> all the people down the line. So obviously, no, like the healthy looking body and the actually healthy body and person, unfortunately, they don't overlap perfectly. No, 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 definitely not. And uh, one one thing that is very specific, but it's uh, it relates to what I do as my job, um, uh, some some sort of byproduct of this idea about uh, fat bad all the time thin good all the time mm -hmm. i i um, deal with people who have cancer and i i work in the field of uh, nutrition you know oncological nutrition it's uh, very hard to convince uh, the patients that are overweight and also diagnosed with cancer that the fact that they're losing weight now is bad a lot of them just are opposed to to, to this thing because like yes but everybody told me that being overweight you know will bring me yes, health no. issues mm -hmm. so now i want to fix my health issues and yes you won't fix them right now you know and uh, it also sometimes family and friends are opposed to that because but i want them to be healthy well sure mm -hmm. but it won't happen in this way not right now i don't want to generalize because there are for example the women who have breast tumors sometimes uh, they feel rather okay during treatment and we know that in hormonal dependent breast tumors uh, extra body fat is actually a cause for uh, the disease coming back. So sure, there are exceptions. Ex exceptions. But overall, when you have just been diagnosed and you have lost weight before diagnosis and your treatment most likely will make it hard for you to eat for different reasons. So a lot more uh, loss might be coming. Your first priority should be to maintain weight and more than that to maintain uh, muscle mass. Yeah. So uh, there, there are many aspects that are influenced by this very superficial public discussion about body shape and health. So you think we covered like all our bases about this subject? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to do the outro? I never know what to say as the outro except like... Do like, I ever look like I know what to no, say? No. <laughs> So basically, I hope uh, somebody listened, somebody took something out of this conversation, and hopefully you will listen to us again. Don't forget to review our podcast on whatever, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, be it Spotify or, um, you know, iTunes or wh wherever. Leave us a comment on and, YouTube. Uh, leave us a comment on YouTube and, you know, basically just, you know, show us a lot of love everywhere. And, but, you know, also be respectful of our feelings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye, bye.